Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. Town, we're here for another episode of To Boldly Watch. You know it. We've got your favorite hits rolling through. We've got Picard discovering some things about himself. We've got the crew coming together. It's all here. I hope you like a whole lot of Patrick Stewart because you're getting him not only in your A plot but also your B plot. That's the right amount of Patrick Stewart for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And believable the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's episode 318, Allegiance. Yeah. Well said. Do you want to do the rest Where of it? Where Picard finally goes into the poker game. <laughs> there it is. The full summary. <laughs> <laughs> he does feel out of place even in his normal character. So for him to have like come in there was like shocking for everyone. I loved mm. it. Uh, yeah, Captain Picard and three others are abducted and imprisoned by an unknown force and replaced by duplicates. Duplicates? Duplicates. Duplicates! The beginning of this episode, we just have Picard, like, lounging in his chaise, having a yeah. good read, about, about to nod off, when the obelisk from 2001 shows up, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this time it has it's a green screen. It has, like, oh, okay. Or the original Windows desktop background yeah <laughs> just clouds you know a great yep. idea for a plot when you're on a spaceship is alien abduction from the spaceship well, the irony I, I wonder if there's something about this in memory alpha like beyond just the surface level but this is very reminiscent of the pilot episode of the first series of star trek the whole thing is like part of the crew gets captured and put in sort of like a zoo type of thing. So this is not uncommon ground for, for Star Trek of the, oh, we're poor humans and we don't know what's happening. But I think it's Picard's way that he solves it that makes it really interesting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love this episode for exactly that reason. Mm -hmm. To answer your question, Memory Alpha does mention it, Xander. Uh Oh, because good. the there's a, I, could, I could have looked myself, but I refuse. <laughs> well, it's just I mean, it, it's it's just an entry saying that there are similar themes of aliens conducting experiments on a kidnapped crew, which happens in a number of episodes, including notably, which mm. I think is the one you're talking about. The cage. Is that the first one? Yeah. Uh, and there's also the empath, which happens as well in the original series. Right. Yeah. It was a good it was a good experiment to get Patrick Stewart doing all different types of, sort of things in this episode. Yeah. We got him singing, <laughs> dancing, making speeches. Going on dates. Okay, so we didn't give a real synopsis <laughs> yet. Right. Well, what's the official synopsis? Well, we did say it. It was great. Um, mm -hmm. I'll say it again. No, okay. I I don't believe you. Okay. We did. Captain Picard oh, cool. and three other people are abducted and imprisoned. No, now I remember. Okay. Because I thought three other people. <laughs> what a way to classify them. Sorry, guys. I'm really with it today. It's all, right. it's all good. Everybody's confused because Picard's acting a little strange. So Picard disappears, and we notice energy readings in his in his quarters, and that's really strange. We contact him, but he doesn't respond. So Worf marches on down there, and we open the door, and Picard's are like, "I've got security clearance." <laughs> and Picard does still appear, and he's like, "What's going? What's going on?" 
and that's our dramatic end. But we find out that actual actual Picard is in some poorly lit room somewhere with some unconscious folks. If I can jump in, Worf comes to the door and whoever is impersonating Picard, because we saw him abducted, we know Mm -hmm. that's not him, we Mm -hmm. don't know where he is yet, they at least, we immediately know that they are very good at impersonating him because he comes to the door with a a glass of wine, maybe it's port, (laughs) and a good Mm -hmm. book. Oh yeah, they've already got him down, so what the F is happening? (laughs) Yeah, one one thing, and I'm going to jump around in the time a little bit, but one thing that they never really explained was how they were so good at, like, being Picard and, like, knowing mm-hmm. these nuances and these character details. Besides, like, they say, oh, when we impersonate someone, we get all of their memories and stuff like that. But Did they say uh, that? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. it. They fully, all, their, all we like, are is our memories, Xander. Right. If you have those, you've you've unlocked. I, I it. hear that, Xander. I yeah. kind of wish they'd explain that more because it makes sense for how poorly he disguised himself, right? Because the duplicate like knew mm-hmm. that John Luke Picard loved sea shanties, but he doesn't know that he doesn't regularly sing them on the ship, right? So they yes. took the, yeah. the information that is technically correct, but they applied it the wrong right. way, right? So they because they're yeah, like this yeah. analytical species, they took data, but they just didn't know how to use it properly. I love that. Yeah. Well, and that just speaks to uh, Patrick Stewart's acting as well, that there are so many layers that he can bring to the table that he fully is like a different person and it's believable to the audience. And this is one of the few times that the audience is in on a secret that the crew is still trying to figure out because a lot of times we go with them. Of mm-hmm, like, what is this mm-hmm. mystery? Right. Oh, yeah, a real testament to the acting. It didn't occur to me till the episode was over that I was like, oh, yeah, and then the other Picard that wasn't him because I really was convinced. Yeah, that guy was a good actor. He was. Yeah, that guy was a really good actor. But it was that so was subtle. That was Stuart Patrick. Uh, he doesn't <laughs> have a knighthood. <laughs> yeah, he really would do anything for that knighthood. Mm-hmm. It was so subtle. He was playing it exactly as he would, but just a few of his actions seemed out of the ordinary, but not out of the ordinary of his desires, like inviting Beverly over for a romantic dinner. Mm-hmm. There's always tension between those two. In episode, I think, two of the whole show, yeah. there was that uh, sexy virus. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody had to bang. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone got Yar and Data me. got it on. Yeah, the, the yeah. horny virus. And they flirted hardcore. Mm-hmm. And they were resisting themselves the most, too. That's what I loved about their interactions. Because, like, they rationally knew what was happening. And they were still, like, yeah. physically, like, yearning for each other, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and they always... This was a great way to do that scene, too, because it's a way for us to get these emotions out without having to break Picard as a a strong, tough captain. And we get a glimpse into that relationship and they both mutually decide or like Beverly is the real person in the situation decides like, oh, I'm okay with where we are. And we assume that real Picard is also there. That's it's nice to just have that relationship and, and sit in it. I liked the realness of that conversation, of her saying exactly the line you just said. Yeah. I'm comfortable with where our relationship currently is. Exactly. <laughs> and that dress. Yeah. Incredible. Dress. I loved it. Better pajamas on Picard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another Asian and uh, Japanese inspired Yeah, rap. kimono style. Picard's doppelganger kind of begins his 
new life on the Enterprise by ordering them to not go um, meet up with the USS Hood as they were supposed to, but goes to this pulsing star, and he wants to go there kind of slow compared to how fast they could mm. go there, which is the first thing that kind of everybody is like, something's a little different here. And Riker detects this and understands that sometimes there are missions that he can't know about for security reasons, so he bows down to that. But still, something's up, right? Well, and uh, Picard asked for that sidebar with Riker, which was a very strategic move on this smart alien species part that mm -hmm. we don't even know who it is yet. All we know is they've captured Picard, the real Picard, and he's in a different location that we'll talk about in a second. But he pulls Riker aside and says, you understand we've always had this trust, right? And you believe in me? And even if there's something where I can't be as fully communicative with you as I normally am, you still got my back, right? Like, what a way to come at that. Yeah. Well done. Brilliant strategy. Yeah. Especially when you find out that their overall goal was just to find out about structures of command and how people react under pressure. Right? I didn't think about that applied to the beginning of the episode mm. until now. Because mm -hmm. we always think, okay, someone's hijacked the ship and they have these nefarious right. purposes and they want to get something or kill someone or do the thing. But really, it was just to study their behavior. Mm -hmm. That's like the third option. Uh, it's mm -hmm. either hostile, friendly, or observing. <laughs> yeah, like that crazy baby face that <laughs> yeah. wanted to uh, Thanos half the ship. Right. Well, so this actually makes me think now that you guys say it like this, uh, is like maybe their experiment was not only successful, but maybe they intended for the doppelganger to not be super great at their job, right? Because they want to mm -hmm. see the command structure and how people react. It's like, we're going to put something weird here, but something they should know is wrong. And let's see if they will drive themselves into a pulsing star on our order. Yeah. Right? Well, and that's the thing is uh, you can see the differentiation. They, they not only get the results of the people that they took and put into the cage, but by placing a doppelganger, you have someone that's directly in the conflict. They said they have a telepathic link to everybody. So they, they have like eyes on the ground. So they're getting this experiment results for whole ships or whole colonies or wherever they're coming from. The, yeah. Yeah. Wherever they are. <laughs> we never really find that yeah, out. And yeah. where are they? Because... <laughs> flash over to mm -hmm. this alien species ship that I don't know if we ever get a name for what their species is called, or at least I don't, I don't remember think it. so. Yeah. But uh, Picard wakes up in a room. There is a woman who is Bolian. There is a mm -hmm. guy who is Mizarian. And then later we meet a red lion man, and I stopped taking thorough notes <laughs> at that point. Yeah. <laughs> but eventually we have four people in this sort of no-exit Sartre situation where mm -hmm. they are each other's hell, and they... <laughs> Eventually, Picard they are each is, other's of course, hell. the one to figure this out. <laughs> yep, it's the ultimate punishment. <laughs> well, that's the plot of the play, No oh, Exit. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hell uh, well, is got, other people! I got really excited about this because, uh, plug for my other show, uh, I play a Bolian in uh, Clear Skies. I play a Bolian engineer, no less. Uh, so I was very excited to see this cadet and... Uh, notably that she had hair because I had I, don't, I hadn't seen a Bolian that had hair and I was like oh it makes or sense unless that's the doppelganger yeah. air again right? unless that's the doppelganger hair yeah <laughs> who knows oh boy hold on I'm hungry do you guys want to eat this edible mm. urinal sponge I thought it was mm, thought it was like jello at first but it was very firm it looks like gelatin like if I was gonna make that prop I would make it like a gelatin base mm -hmm. something. What do they Lots call those it. urinal urinal cakes? cakes? Mm -hmm. Yeah, delicious. We don't need to keep saying that. <laughs> I have never. I've used a urinal like once, so. Oh well. <laughs> I don't know what they're called. That's why yeah, I had to. Okay. 
<laughs> I never realized what like uh, urinal culture. The information that I have, I didn't realize how yeah. specific that was. Yeah. <laughs> wow. uh, um, but of course, the big problem is when the fourth person is transported in. They are. Um, a very Klingon-y type society, very warrior-like, <laughs> and naturally it is poison to eat the urinals to take. <laughs> you say right. Klingon-y because he's dressed in leather and is super aggressive with knives, right? But that's fair. That's uh, like yeah. basically the core tenant of being a Klingon. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, definitely. So Esok, I think was his name? Uh, yeah. These four yes. are trapped and they're not sure who is keeping them there and w- this room is str- this room is also very strange so they have like a food dispenser they have four beds and they have a door uh, do they have a bathroom mm. oh never mentioned like well urinal cakes urinal so cakes do what you will don't Probably pee on the dispenser I, is this the first showing of this trope probably not i bet it's written in short stories before but the abduction that leads to the room where you don't know who your observers are and yeah. you're the, oh the sauce syndrome I, I guess it's sort of related to a lab rat, except there's mm. walls instead of a cage. Well, I mean, the the the, the lab rat thing is is the, referenced because of the maze, right? That Picard mentions later. I mean, the classic trope of this would be like a locked room mystery. Of it, classically, someone is a murderer, but you don't know who the murderer is. But in this case, someone is the abductor, but you don't know who the abductor is. And, and even figuring that out is part of the puzzle. Like we still haven't figured out right. who the murderer is on this podcast, or have we? What? Well, the murderer knows. I think we knew from episode one. (laughs) Or do they? (laughs) Well, Vanessa's not here to tell us because she died in episode one, so we'll never know. We don't say the V word. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. But it is a very witch hunty, which is Mm. a politicized term. But anyway, there's like, (laughs) is there a witch? Is there not a witch? We don't Mm. know. Um and they all start accusing each other of, well, you were the one that did this. And, you, well, mm-hmm. you don't seem like you should be here because this. And that's when, early in the episode, Picard lays his trap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when Picard was defending himself, uh, the cadet mentions some of the things he's done. And Picard looks up when she mentions uh, a particular event. And he also... Uh, what first year is going to study the accolades <laughs> of every starship captain? So bizarre. I had a few thoughts about this. One, that she could have just been a super fan of Picard, that, like, I just knew everything. Mm -hmm. And then, two, she could have just gone along with, because his big plan is, like, I'm going to suggest something that is not common knowledge. But I'm like, she could have just been like, oh, yeah, that too. But but the thing she had intimate knowledge of, like, what went down at the event as well. And that was the whole thing. It was like top secret information, right? But if I was talking to Picard and he's like, also, I did this thing, I'm not going to say no. Like, that's not you or I didn't hear about that. Yeah, if I was the cadet, (laughs) I'd be like, all right, I'll level with you. I'm an intelligence officer and I'm undercover at the academy. We're trying to find some bad instructors. That's the first thing I come up with is bad instructors. But I'm sure he'll follow. There you go. Those classic bad instructors. Yeah. So we have a lot of testing of, of course, the one thing that we can actually address, which is the door. And Picard go, uh, tries a tactic early on, which is to start tapping out uh, little sequences. And we learn, yes, mm-hmm. that he's signaling prime numbers. And I, I was like, oh, that's such a brilliant way of doing it. Is that the standard way we try to communicate our cognition to uh, species we don't know how to communicate with? I think, well, there have been multiple attempts. We've made that golden disc of different mm-hmm, things, mm-hmm. including 
prime numbers, but other ways to sort of demonstrate intelligence. Being but mostly music or... just sea shanties. <laughs> mostly sea shanties. It's all of TikTok. They just downloaded it onto a golden <laughs> disc and shot it into space. We haven't heard it from the aliens because they're busy watching all of it. They're busy saying, oh, my God, I'm so behind. I don't even have a TikTok yet. (laughs) Xander's referring to the golden, the Voyager golden record, which was a uh, an album, I almost said. It's a phonograph record, I guess, that was sent with Voyager when it launched out into eventually out of our solar system. Right. I don't know. I think it's going to take a Voyager, not Star Trek. Right. Right. I think it's going to (laughs) take several hundred years for it to even truly get out of the solar system. But um, that has a Mm. bunch of, I believe, music and it does prime numbers on there as well. I think so. A prime number sequence, at I least. I feel like it Maybe should have oh. Abbott and Costello, who's on first. <laughs> Just classic English comedy. Oh, I have some of the things. There's actually images on it, too. There's a photo of Jupiter. There's a photo of, um, of humans eating, drinking, and licking food. There's a woman ah. in a store. Licking seems seems very particular. Well, there's uh, she's licking ice cream. It's how we do it. I think it's just showing different methods of ingestion. There's also a photograph Mm. of Egypt, the Red Sea, and the Sinai Peninsula. Uh, Interesting. And then, of course, there's also the uh, I don't know, I'm sure how you pronounce it, but it's like the Arecibo message or Arecibo message, which is that's a radio signal we send out. Oh yeah, and it has like all the numbers and also like human beings on it, but it's like a modal. Form, right mm. like there's a visual way of looking at it if you like look at the waveform or something Put it out in a pattern yeah 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 because we don't know how it would be received right by, like another transmitter mm-hmm. or something like that um but no and i feel like the, these tactics the things that he's doing would be i wrote down this is cool to see the starfleet training of an elite officer like in action like these are the steps that this captain will take when they're also presented with someone that is supposedly supposed mm-hmm. to follow their orders. Mm-hmm. You know, he's basically stepping into command. And also, maybe he's just very good at escape rooms. And he's like, I was in <laughs> one. This was the answer. Hey, escape room makers, if if you make prime numbers like tapped out be an answer to like showing off your sentience, I think that's brilliant. And you should just let people escape immediately. That's good. Yeah. Or Okay, I think I found a plot hole, though. So if he says to the Bolian woman anything, then because they're all of one mind, then because his mind was taken and they downloaded all his memories, they'd know that he knew that that was classified. Except they got it at the moment the copy was made. So they're not connected to the real Picard's mind. They, I, I bet you, you're onto something. I bet that the Bolian cadet, that, per, that alien, used the information that the Picard doppelganger has in his head to be like, oh, yes, aren't you familiar with this thing and this thing? That's probably where she got that classified information. It's exactly. not that these, they're super intelligent. She would have gotten the information through Card's, Picard's memories that that event happened, as well as getting the information right. that that event was classified. But this is the problem that we're seeing with the Picard doppelganger. It's the use of the information without the situational awareness of what, what in context does that mean? Singing yes. the sea shanty or, you know, being a fan of a sea shanty. It's also maybe they don't have, they download, well, they are one mind, so they would be even super smarter because they yeah. are pooling all of their minds all the time. So they'd be like Borg level intelligence. Those heads were huge. huge. Like there's got to be a big cranium in there for sure. 
You're probably right, Becca. Yeah, but they're pretty stupid for being so smart. <laughs> but again, I'm wondering if part of the experiment is to is it to show their hand a little bit, not unlike the poker yeah. scenario, right? Where they're actually they kind of want to see where they figure it out, and therefore, you know, use that information. It's like it's a control versus a variable. This is my this shit might be the variable. Maybe they have a little bit of a twist to the Picard that he's not a very good doppelganger. That's a that's also an armchair theory. Who knows? Yeah. Or with this armchair theory, perhaps they knew when they gave that information that they were um, allowing Picard to solve the puzzle. But I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's possible. I feel like they didn't want that part of the experiment solved that way because, like, they wanted. That's why they wanted that person there to observe. But who knows? Right. They had to go find new test subjects after this. <laughs> I figure. Yeah, well, that's what. That's, that's the, the thing. He's pain. like, I can imprison you whenever I want, and he didn't say, we, "Don't do this to anybody the end at the else." End. <laughs> I know, but still. The, the other thing, too, with which you mentioned, Becca, is like I'm sure they got like a library of information as soon as they take over somebody. Mm-hmm. So they probably can't go through all of it super cleanly to figure out what's what. But the yeah, yeah, the, the nuance. Yeah, the nuances. Exactly. So eventually we do a team uh, activity where all four of us uh, mm-hmm. prisoners attempt to open the door with a combination of all of our skills and really brute strength. And the prisoners open the door to reveal a wall. Another door. Uh, I thought this was kind of cool. Um, we saw some principles of like psychology at play with the, like Pavlovian theory of I touched this thing and it shocked me. I'm not touching that again. And like just have it spelled out plainly like that. Um, but it also is the source of conflict, which we find out later was intentional of this person would be first in the room and do some experimenting to cause hostility towards the other in the same sense that one can't eat the food that's provided. So eventually he's going to eat one of the other prisoners. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, like I also like they did a good job of making Kova Thole the the red herring for a long time, too, because he yeah. really doesn't participate in a lot physically right and he's always telling everybody mm-hmm. not to tamper with too much right yeah mm-hmm. can we talk more about that and all of misarian culture wow all they do is get conquered over <laughs> and over and over yeah. again what the f well Listen, speaking as a french person uh, so gonna the best say... military no just kidding <laughs> french. Oh, no, no. <laughs> uh this is one of the things where it seems like they may be wink, wink, nudge, nudging at the Star Trek trope of like all species fall into one uh, lump of like, well, you're this. So you have to act that you're a Vulcan. Yeah. You have to be logical. You're Klingon. You have to be aggressive. And so they just sort of play into that stereotype of like, OK, there's a whole species of aliens that are just passive doormats. <laughs> and that's how they survive. As if you also can't have like multiple cultures within a species, which is just that's part of it, right? Exactly. Like and all these tropes come from. No, person you exile to person. them from the planet if that happens. <laughs> We've seen those episodes. Mm. That's um, true. Yeah, I mean, for a long time in the episode, I was like, well, it's it's gonna be him, right? But I also know not to not to trust those instincts anymore because Star Trek is really good about not letting the obvious happen. At least next generation is, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair, yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's not always true. Um, meanwhile, back aboard the Enterprise, Crusher and Picard go on a little date. Uh, something a little Picard more intimate than just Tin Forward, right? Go to his personal quarters. Yeah. I feel very uncomfortable. He's too full of surprises today. <laughs> mm-hmm. How was his romanticism? I still thought he, like, he... Killed the doppelganger it. did great. Yeah, right? Yeah, he's so good. Yeah. I mean, how did Beverly resist is the question. That's what That's didn't make any sense at all. 
And she she wanted him to continue convincing her because that's why she yeah. was so reluctantly stood At outside the, the door. I was like, wait, like what do you care? Yeah. You're just yeah. letting me leave. <laughs> yeah, I liked that. Hold moment. on, you gotta like tell me you want to be bad, and then we'll be yeah. bad. But like, this is a terrible idea. Doppelganger's <laughs> a tease, man. Mm. Yeah, but again, it's it really that is situational awareness. Reading right. the room, they can't right. do it. Before Picard enters, Troy and Riker are talking about Picard's weird behavior in Ten Forward, mm-hmm. right? One thing that I was like, why did they utilize Troy? Like, she should have been able to right, right away right, pick right. up. And so I think that would have been too, like... But that's a testament yeah. to how close, because there wasn't, it was a good copy. Mm-hmm. It did have all his mm-hmm. memories. And I'm probably walking around anyway, with the sorry. confidence that Picard walks around with anyway, right? Is what I, my guess is. But they they did utilize her in the poker scene when he asked her what do you, he pulled her out and he asked her about like is anybody about suspicious of anything or like yeah yeah <laughs> well now <laughs> I know right she gave him such a look down the corridor I was like what is happening it was showing just how extremely close it was to the real Picard. And that she had to not use her Betazoid powers, but use her own intuition to even know there's anything wrong. Yeah, yeah. go. Yeah. Riker mentions how odd he's being, and they they kind of start to talk about it. But then he enters, and someone's like, hey, Captain. And he starts waving to the whole yes. 10 forward. Well, here's the thing. He claims he's like, I want to buy a round for everyone, or ale, ale for everyone. It's like, we don't have it's money. Free. And I don't want a. But again, I think that's a nod to the fact that they know his stories and what he likes, right? But he's read them in yeah. literature or whatever. So right. he's reenacting that there, and they just don't understand the difference between those memories. He's also probably, Good knowing you. Picard, fantasized about doing something like this in a sea, oh, in like a, yeah, seaside oh, wow. tavern. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. But I like that he did find the like one little group of guys that knew all the words. And my favorite the acapella group was that's Jordy. just taking a break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what was it? It was Jordy and Worf that were just kind of singing along and then did. <laughs> so good. People know that song really well. Were you able to sing yeah. along with it, Xander? No. Yeah, I no, had no idea. But he's really living his best life. I mean, you know, would you have been surprised if people were like, wow, for some reason I like Picard better than ever? <laughs> mm, I wouldn't. He's a lot more fun at parties. I would like to, I think it's, it might be some of a a celebrity situation, right? Because we are with the bridge crew. They interact with the captain all the time, but the huge, the the ship is Mm -hmm. huge. So a lot of the crew probably just hears stories about the amazing things Mm -hmm. he does. So when he shows up in 10 forward and sings, they're like, oh, it's Picard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, this is a captain who like regularly like tangos with like immortal beings like Q and stuff like that. Yeah. Like the, in- yeah, the intimidation factor must be high on this ship. Did you say mm-hmm. tango on purpose? Because I didn't know he danced. <laughs> yes, we do see him ask Beverly to dance after mm-hmm. she says, no, we can't do this. And before he says, okay, we're done now. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> Sexy date. So after the singing and the weird sing-along, I guess we should say, uh, Riker mm-hmm. gets all of the senior staff together in his quarters and says, all right, we're all in agreement that this is wonky, right? <laughs> so everybody's like, yeah, mm. but we don't know what to do about it. So and we also don't know what this mission is. So let's see what happens when we get to the star. Well, we get to the star and Picard wants to drive the ship as close to it as possible. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, when we were in the uh, conference scene, I do want to give a shout out to the editing in this. The, a lot of the editing was fantastic, but most notably here, there were questions uh, that Riker was asking, then it would cut to real Picard sort of answering those questions. So, for instance, I wrote down um, 
prove to us you're not the enemy. And then it cuts to the other Picard, but basically saying the same thing to the other prisoners. And it's just so well done. Yeah, absolutely. I really like the parallels between the Picard A plot and the Picard Mm -hmm. B plot. (laughs) Because I think they were worried that it might be too confusing for audiences to see him in those two locations. But Patrick Stewart is so good at convincing us that they're two different people that it just like enhances everything else that they did. Did they do something different with his belt for the copy? It felt like his doppelganger had a different belt on. I know that this season they've been messing with the uniforms going from the one piece to the mm-hmm. two piece. So it may just have been more. That noticeable. is true. The uniforms are going through some changes in season three because of comfort and stuff. Because this is like the first time they've also gotten those yeah. new uniforms. So I think they're still perfecting them. So possibly. Good notice. Becca. Yeah. Let's catch that. High collar and two piece. Maybe. And in this meeting, there's one other thing I want to point out, which is that everybody's anecdotally like, yeah, he's been being weird. Mm. And Data, of course, is the only one that Mm. doesn't have a fallible human memory and says, also, remember, there was a weird reading in his quarters and (laughs) we all went there and nothing had happened. You all forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) They were distracted. I mean, Data provided actual (laughs) data as opposed to, uh, you know, anecdotal evidence. You're right. That's a good point. Right, and uh, I, I we'll get to the scene, but Data. Uh, I really wanted a reaction that we didn't get from Data when the chain of command is broken later, when they finally mutiny, which they decide in this scene not to do yet. But everybody's like, "Okay, on your toes, watch him." We all yeah. know something's weird, right? Which was a really important scene because then later, when the moment does come. Uh, mm-hmm. They stand together. What well, happens? I think yes. right after this scene, right? Because they they go to the star, and then he's like, "All right, I want to keep going closer." And Data's like, "Well, the shields are dropping, and we could be vaporized." Yeah. He's like, "Yeah, go for." We will be. You will kill <laughs> right? all of us, Wesley. And he's like, "Wesley, yeah. drive on in." This poor well, kid. Yeah, that's what I thought the whole time. Of like, what a for for Wesley, what a situation to be in to participate in a mutiny, possibly, or like destroy the mm-hmm. ship and the mm-hmm. pressure that he's under. Good thing they made the right choice. Maybe yeah. there was a very brief scene where Riker does confront Picard one more time off to the side of like, hey, you need to tell me about this, right? Doesn't he say something yeah, like yeah. that? He's like, you need to tell he me. And does... he's like, you've never asked me to tell you before. You know that I need to keep secrets. He's like, yeah, but this is different. Yeah, you haven't endangered the ship like this mm-hmm. or you don't care about what happens to the ship. I think that was in front of everyone. Wasn't it? I think that was part of the big confrontation. Well, that's the I thing is like, so it happens right after. No and that's data. when, <laughs> and that's when, you know, Riker says, belay that order. And we turn around. And, yeah. Yeah. Picard is, is stopped. And Picard doesn't really have anything to like, this doppelganger doesn't have anything to like defend himself. He's just like, no, you need to follow my orders. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, well, Jake. I want to uh, amend my earlier statement. You are correct. There is more, one more confrontation, and Picard threatens Riker and says, Ooh, oh. do I need to remove you mm-hmm. from your post? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. That's what it was. That's right. When, when Riker tries to take over, Picard's like, Hey, Worf, get him out of here. And Worf doesn't say a word. He yeah. stands perfectly still, which was the best reaction. Not a movement, not a glance. And they pull, Just, yeah, and they pull the Enterprise away from the star. And then, meanwhile, back in the laboratory, after the door has been revealed to, yeah, be re- revealed to be just a wall, Picard shows his trap. Right, he shows his hand, and mm-hmm. uh, the Bolian. The bo- no. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's always the quiet one. <laughs> yeah, Matena Haro is revealed to have been the captor the whole time and is part of a species that, I, yeah, I don't think they get named at all. They are just um, no. big-headed and also telepathic and can teleport. And they hate magenta light. They just hate it. <laughs> Can't stand it. Well, and the way that he solves this mystery is they all have different leadership styles, but she wasn't a leader at all. So that's what made him think she might be just an observer because there are those who are sworn to, well, sworn to obey would be the cadet, sworn to surrender, uh, sworn to fight, and sworn to command. And those are the different leadership styles that they wanted to study all being contrasted. Yep. And, and again, they got a bigger sample size with having the doppelgangers in their place as well <laughs> right. by observing the whole ships or wherever. Good science A bigger sample size. Mm-hmm. Well, Picard calls them out. They appear. They admit what has happened. And before anybody can really punch them for, <laughs> for doing this, they all get teleported back home. And Picard appears on the bridge with one of these by his side and says, oh, hold on, everybody. It's all cool. And it turns out that the doppelganger was one of these in disguise the whole time. And then there's a little bit more shenanigans that happen, right? Mm-hmm. The glances and the looks and the nods. Data had such a little smirk on his face, too. I was like, hey, <laughs> yeah. keep it straight. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't. You're not allowed. <laughs> but this was another um, – it was funny that this, I think, would be a little bit of a plot hole in that – they gave another ultimatum for the species of like, we hate being imprisoned. And I'm like, but okay, but you were just a bully in that. I guess they weren't actually imprisoned, but she was in that scenario. You'd think that, that would, she would have showed her hand or something, but whatever. <laughs> but she they was in, in control. Yeah, she was in control. Uh, That's true. And it was this idea yeah. that if one of them is imprisoned, all of them mm-hmm. are imprisoned. That's mm-hmm. true. Which is, uh, as we all know, like a cruelty, right? And so Picard's like, well, listen, we can do the same thing to you, so you need to knock this off. Yeah. But he doesn't, like, say it for, like, everybody. He's just like, leave us alone. I was like, Picard, <laughs> like, oh, tell that's them true. to find, do experiments in other ways. Get volunteers. Pay your volunteers, okay? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, pay your volunteers. Yeah, well, he does bring up the concept of this being a, an immoral assault. Right, must, imprisonment. Uh, is an injury. Yeah, yeah, must respect the rights of other races, implying yeah. others. Yeah, sure. And like gave them a taste of their own medicine. It's like, see, you don't like it. Don't do that. With a fancy pink light. I'm rewatching a million times yeah. to try and get these looks that he's wow. giving to the crew. Wow. And it's just because in the beginning, they mentioned something along the lines of like, oh, we should speak or something like that so they know that we communicate verbally because that Ooh, might not be the case and they say we we communicate telepathically so then I didn't at the that. end when they're like mm-hmm we're like oh it's not it's merely verbal communication it's reading the room it's situational awareness it's the group effort that's so good yeah i didn't realize that but yeah they, they didn't communicate verbally at all is all the nods and then it happened Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not even exactly telepathic. There's something more than telepathic because right. they share all knowledge. Yeah, yeah, hive, hive mind, hive mind. Yeah, yeah, interesting. 
But it's so subtle. He just looks at someone. They're like, oh, okay. Let me push oh, buttons over here because I know what that meant. <laughs> you just looked at me. <laughs> yeah. But can you imagine someone in the chain of command that got it wrong? That was like, <laughs> they look at each other. They look at each other. They imprison them. And then someone shoots them with a disruptor. And like, I oh, yeah. thought that was the kill look. <laughs> but it's like, oh, I thought you wanted me to go into the pulsar star. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you just start singing the sea shanty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they trail off like, oh, oops. Oh. Oh, no, that, that wasn't the time? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great episode. Really Great fun. episode. I like another episode where like the A plot and the B plot actually have a lot to do with each other and in some ways on their surface level are like the same in some ways, right? It's finding out who's what's going yeah. on with this person, right? And when it when all is said and done, we got some great alien makeup, not just from like the prisoners, mm-hmm. but the people, the alien species that were keeping them prisoner, like right? a lot of prosthetics. Mm-hmm. It wasn't oh, we just didn't a even uniform talk about a human or a, a nose bridge. The unnamed species <laughs> outfits as well. Mm-hmm. They've got like a mesh that goes all the way down to the crotch and up the back and on the arms. But yeah, that was an intimate one. Really interesting choice. (laughs) Yep. Oh, man. Yeah. Great makeup. You know, my favorite moment is the moment when Picard, I mean, it's always when he solves the puzzle, but when he was in the laboratory room and said, ha ha, but earlier. And it was one of those really like, ah, yeah, I remember that. Right. (laughs) It's very much the Sherlock Holmes like Mm -hmm. parlor scene of at the end of the murder mystery, you've got someone explaining who done it. Oh, so good. So good. What is that that activates a certain part of the brain that's like, I get it, you trickster. (laughs) I think it's our lived experience because we've had things like that and it reawakens that feeling within us. I think it's like when we learn something new, too, that we like get excited because there's like a new new neural pathway that opened up in our brain for the very first time. wrinkle. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The sound of a wrinkle forming in your brain is like... (laughs) Uh, the the synaptic dendrites of Uh uh, synapse a went into synapse b and it was overwhelmingly positive i've been reading a lot about brain chemistry a and b just got together now wow you'd think i mean they've been shipping it forever (laughs) it's really like you know it'll give information but that information isn't passed on unless it's overwhelming information Mm. kind of they should just be comfortable with the relationship they have now. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> That's Allegiance. Next week, we'll be taking a captain's holiday because mm. Picard's going to take a much needed vacation on the vacation planet of Risa. Ooh, but, Risa! Uh, he gets interrupted by a little bit of an archaeological caper. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, wow. I met a girl named Risa in acting class. I wonder if she was named after this episode. I think you've actually made this very inquiry yeah. earlier in this podcast. And I think we found go. out she was, right? I have nothing Isn't to say. Isn't she Gates say. McFadden's kid? I think so. Okay. She's not Gates McFadden's kid. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to say, lay in the coordinates, but before we say anything... We got to give each other a cheeky nod. Something happened between us that we don't remember. Engage.
there was like the seductive walk of Crusher back on the bridge. She's like, I know something you don't know. And also like the timing of her entrance was great because he's like, so what else happened while I was gone? <laughs> and then she's like, me, baby. <laughs>